This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church podcast. For more information about us, who we are, and how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org. Today's message is delivered by Pastor Randy Roche. So some 50 years ago, the baby boomer generation had a favorite mantra, and that was love, joy, and peace. They protested for love on college campuses, and they cried out for joy on inner city streets, and they pleaded for peace in faraway lands like Vietnam. So here we are, some 50 years later, and love still has not overcome hatred, and joy has not replaced anger, and turmoil has not succumbed peace. Love and joy and peace. Things that everybody wants. I don't think we would ever find anyone who says, ah, we've got enough love in our culture, or we don't need any more joy, or, well, peace isn't all that it's cracked up to be. No, I think think we would hear the vast majority, if not all, of the people we would ever survey say, yes, we need love and more joy and a lasting peace. So if everybody agrees that these are essential, not only in a baby boomer generation or among Gen X or Zs, but every generation, if we all agree that these things are so important, then why don't we possess these ideals for which we have longed? I think the challenge for us is we don't really have a great understanding of what true love is, nor do we fully understand joy or comprehend what peace is and where it's truly to be found. You see, we see love and we see joy and we see peace as something that we should be receiving, when in truth, these are things that we should be giving. And so giving is the key to this. Generosity of love and joy and peace helps us to have that meaningful life. We want to talk about those. I don't know if you have a sermon outline with you. Um, We've been putting those on the table. When you come in, feel free to take one. You know why sermon outlines are good? Because you can always tell when you're getting close to the end of the sermon. So let's start with love. We often see love as something that, that we receive. We see it as something that makes us feel good. And it, it's kind of sad that we boiled love down to a feeling. You know, I, I feel better if I've got a new suit of clothes, or I feel better if I'm driving that new car, or maybe that, that new hairstyle will be great. And how long does it last? Remember that hairstyle that, well, those of you who have hair, remember that hairstyle that you had like 25 or 30 years ago? Remember the other day when you saw pictures of it and you looked and said, oh my goodness, it looks like my head exploded. And then you turn to the person that you love and say, why did you let me do that? John, in in his first letter, he, he mentioned that. 
All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, pride of life, it's not from the Father, it's from the world. And the world's passing away along with all of these things, these desires that we believe are going to bring us more love, more satisfaction, more peace, more happiness. And the hairstyle is not the only thing that grows old. So do the clothes. And the new car smell goes away, but the car payments don't. And, and, and it's not just things like clothes and cars. It's, it's even in our relationships. Social scientists say that um, in American society, the average friendship lasts seven years. Did you know that? Today's average friendship lasts seven years. And then it's finished. I had someone that was just chatting with me not too long ago. We, we kind of bumped into each other and we were talking and uh, said, hey, what's up? Well, I'm, I'm on my way to have coffee with a friend, the lady said. And I said, oh, that sounds like fun. Well, not really fun. I haven't, been, I haven't really been paying a lot of attention to her. I, we haven't really gone out that much. But she's been my friend for a few years now. And I've been telling her it's time for me to move on to find someone else who can fill my needs. Really? Seriously? I don't want my, um, when we were younger, my mom had a little ditty she used to sing. I won't sing it for you. I don't want to ruin your morning. Um, Make new friends, but keep the old. Anyone remember this one? One is silver, the other gold. Yeah, isn't that nice? Today, today it's make new friends and dump the old. Remember, friendships can be bought and sold. What have you done for me lately? I mean, that's really the new mantra of our throwaway culture. What have you done for me lately? It's a consumer concept of love. And I think that's why a lot of marriages struggle today. Boy, I can't tell you how many people have come into my office and said, Pastor, I just want you to, to know you may not see us together because, you know, my spouse just isn't doing it for me anymore. What do you mean? I, I just don't, they don't make me feel fulfilled. And I always ask the question, are you making them feel fulfilled? You see, we, we all too often see ourselves as the target, the target of love. What can you do to make me feel fulfilled? What can I get out of this relationship with you? And if you make me feel good, you make me look good, then I'll stay with you and I love you and I care about you. If not, it's time for me to move on. Now imagine, just for a moment, if you will, imagine if Jesus had that same concept of love. What if Jesus said, you know, I'm going to love you as long as I think you're worthy of love. And when you don't make me feel fulfilled, then, you know, I can just get rid of you and I can make a whole bunch more. Or what if Jesus said, I'll come down there and rescue you as soon as you prove yourself worthy of my love. But let's thank Jesus that he doesn't say these things. Instead, here's what Jesus has to say. He, he really gave out his mission statement when, when he said this, the Son of Man came to 
seek and save the lost. It doesn't say he came to seek and save the lovable or he came to seek and save those who would embrace him and welcome him. No, he came to seek and save the lost, the broken, the hurting, the troubled, the sinful. Me and you. And that's why he could say, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Do you hear it? Do you hear how Jesus is defining love? He's defining it as a sacrifice. Love is a sacrificial way of life. It sees others as the target of love, which is what Jesus did. He came down here to do what we can't do. He loved us because of our brokenness. He loved us in spite of our brokenness. And he did all the things needful for our salvation. Oh, he was already in heaven. But he left those glories to come to a sin-stained world to rescue us from sin and death and hell by his life and death and resurrection. So Jesus teaches us that love is about generosity. Love is more about giving than getting. It was 60 years ago when uh, President John Kennedy uh, addressed the nation in his inaugural address and out of everything that he did and said for his thousand days as president, there's one line I think that sticks out most of all. You can probably finish it for me. In his inaugural address, he said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what? It's a target that's not me. We should not ask what our parents can do for us, but what we can do for our parents, and not what our children can do for us, but what we can do for our children, and what we can do for our employer, and what we can do for our employee, what we can do for our husband, and what we can do for our wife, and what we can do for our community. What can we do for our church? Love is a generosity that looks outward. Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. So if coming here to serve is what Jesus did, shouldn't that be the same for us? And when you live this faith-driven, generous lifestyle, there's a residual effect to it. You get this joy. You can't help but be filled with joy when you live unselfishly. You cannot help but be filled with joy when you live beyond yourself, when you find that you've helped somebody else. You can't help but live with joy when you live generously. For the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross, despising the shame. For the joy set before him, what joy? Well, it wasn't the joy of being ridiculed and rejected by the people he came to save. The joy was not found in the thorn of the crown or the whip of the Roman or the nail of the cross. The joy was found in the target. You and me and a world 
that needed a savior. So Jesus shows us that living generously requires sacrifice and an understanding of why we do it. So we sacrifice time going to the Milwaukee Rescue Mission to serve food because there are those who are less fortunate and need assistance. And we sacrifice finances for the mission of the month so that the Gideons can pass out Bibles, so that we can train more pastors to go into more congregations, so that we could provide a new start to people in South Carolina that were trying to reassemble their lives, or that we could give a child in Ghana, Africa, a Christian education. That's why we do these things. It's the target that's not here, but out there. Sacrifice. Oh, and when it comes to our homes, sacrifice never considers marriage to be 50-50. Because if you think marriage is 50-50, who gets to pick out where the 50 begins and ends? I think God has a sense of humor. There's seven days in a week. It's an odd number. So husbands and wives, if we all decide that we'll each take three days to do the dishes, who gets day seven? Maybe you just let it go till the next day and pray that you're not on that one. So love is sacrificial, which is what Paul's pointing out to the church in Corinth that was really loving themselves. And in chapter 13, if you've been to a wedding, you've heard this one. In, in chapter 13, he says this. He defines love in a, in a most generous, sacrificial way. He says, love is patient and kind, Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is not about self. Love is about others. My loving others. And this is the generosity of love that produces joy. And in turn, joy provides peace. Real peace. Uh, true peace. Lasting peace. A peace that's internal. A peace that's not conditional on the circumstances that are going on around me. But the faith that lives within me. And I'll be upfront with you, generous living can be challenging at times. It's not always easy. And that's because we do have to consciously put the needs of other people above our own, like Jesus did. And it means that we often have to love the unlovable, like Jesus did. But it's through this generous living that we have the peace of Jesus. So living and loving with the grace of Christ produces such a peace that it actually, Paul says, passes understanding. I mean, does it seem logical that if you think about others more than you think about yourself, if you care for others even more than you would care for yourself, humanly speaking, does it seem possible that you'd get joy and peace out of that? But we do. 
The more we give of ourselves, the deeper the peace that dwells in our hearts. The more we sacrifice, the greater the peace. So you'll notice that the the title, the theme of this worship series is not the secret to meaningful living because there's no secret about it. It's out there. It's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is look at Jesus and see what meaningful living is all about. You see, those who know Jesus understand that generosity comes from his love, which gives to us his joy and permeates our lives with his peace. And there's nothing more meaningful to life than knowing real love and true joy, and lasting peace. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. We'll see you next week, and God bless.